<laughs> hey, great job, guys. Oh, man, Merry Christmas. Hey, I am excited to be here. A special welcome to everybody, especially our online audience. We're going to welcome you as well. Hey, my name is Caleb Kimmel, and I serve as one of the board members as well as on the teaching team here at the Point Church. And, man, I'm excited to be back up here. i got to kind of shake off the rust a little bit. It's been a few months. But, you know, why wouldn't I be excited, right? It's Christmas season. And, and out of all the holidays, like, at least for me, man, Christmas by far is my favorite. Right? And, you know, I, we were talking last week about which camp do you fall in? Or are you in the camp of decorating before Thanksgiving? Do you decorate after Thanksgiving, after December? And, and my answer is, it's whenever the kids want to, man. I love the Christmas season. If they want to do it in October, let's do it, right? You know, but the one thing around Christmas, the one thing I can do without as I get older, I, mean, I can do without the cold weather, like my bones get cold quicker now, but I'll use the cold weather as an excuse, right, to flip on the fireplace and play some Christmas music, right? I just, I love the Christmas season. And maybe you're like me. I also love a good Christmas movie. How many movie fans in here? Movie fans, right? Yeah, I love Christmas movies. But I have noticed, though, there's a little correlation, it seems like, between a lot of filmmakers between Christmas and chaos, right? I mean, you can look at, it's right, start with George Bailey, right? The Wonderful Life, right? Great movie, but there's that financial chaos that comes up, right? And then Charlie Brown, he comes along, right? Charlie Brown's got a Christmas stuff going on. He's kind of struggling with this, this consumerism, right? The chaos around that. Then you fast forward to the 1980s, 1990s, and that's kind of our theme today a little bit. If you guys notice, this is a, like an in-sync throwback for our, our special here. But in the 80s and 90s, right, you got Chevy Chase comes along and the chaos of family, right? Crazy cousin Eddie and the psychotic squirrel, right? Coming out of the tree. And then, you know, little Kevin comes along in the busyness of the season, right? Gets this little dude left at home all by himself, right? You know, even the Grinch kind of came in here and even him was, he was struggling with the fixation of presence everywhere, the chaos around that, right? But it's interesting, Vanity Fair, they, they did a, a magazine article and they said that it was actually in 1983 and it was Ralphie, and the Red Ryder BB gun, right? That captured the hearts of America by showing a dysfunctional family that we could all relate to, right? In 1983, in that Christmas movie, The Christmas Story, right? You know, but, but I think that the, the correlation between Christmas and, and chaos goes back even further than that. You know, when you look at the, the Gospels, the, re, the recorded historical accounts of that original birth of Christ, you'll see some chaos there as well. In fact, we're gonna look at that today. But before we dive in, I just want to say an extra special welcome to you this morning, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. Man, we are privileged that you chose to, to join us with your time today. Um, in fact, you picked a great week to join us if you're new. We're in a new series we're calling Christmas Rewind. And, and the, whole, the whole purpose behind the Christmas Rewind is we're trying to leverage some of the talent that we have. You guys know we have a really talented worship and um, you know, musical singers, everything up here. We're, we're kind of doing some throwbacks for Christmas, kind of a nostalgic theme. And, you know, last week, if you were here, we did a pentatonics, kind of a contemporary joy of the world today. Was that in sync 80s and 90s throwback? Next week, we'll go a little further back in time. We're trying to have a kind of a nostalgic feel, so there's a little bit of everything for everybody this Christmas season here at the Point Church. But when Christmas rolls around, I, I do think we need to be careful sometimes um, of something that can kind of creep in. You know, the, 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 the original Christmas story, um, it's very well known in our culture. Right? You know, I saw a recent statistic that said around 90% of people celebrate Christmas, which means there is a widespread familiarity with the original story of Jesus, right? Of God sending his son to be born in this world, right? Of a virgin birth and laid in the manger, right? And the thing to be careful with is sometimes when we're really familiar with something, we do it over and over again, sometimes complacency can set in, right? 
I mean, sometimes we have to be careful, right, that, that we don't lose the awe of Christmas, that we don't lose the astonishment of what God did 2,000 plus years ago. But friends, that can kind of happen easy too because of just the chaos of the season. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, the season gets busy, right? I mean, you got all these things going on. You got the family plans, right? You're trying to figure out the impossible schedules to keep up, you know, the fast paced hustle and bustle of everything, right? You're trying to clean the house. You got the decorations to put up and then the gift buying. Oh my goodness. Like I'm not a spender. Like I don't spend much, but I was trying to get some things for the kiddos on like the Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And anybody else overwhelmed in that process? Like I'm trying to buy something. Thank you, a few people, maybe just me. Like I'm trying to buy stuff. And you know, you always want to get the best deal. So you're going back and forth. And then after a while, it's like paralysis of analysis. And finally like, that's it, I'm just click. I don't care how much I spend now. Just get it done, get it over with, right? But it was a little stressful. But some of you might lie on the other side of the spectrum too. And the Christmas season is a reminder that maybe there's, there's some loneliness creeping in, some isolation. My friends, this concept of chaos and Christmas, right? You're not in it alone, right? And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the original text. In fact, if you have your Bibles with you or or smartphones or message notes, or you can see it on the screen, we're going to look at Luke chapter one at kind of the the beginning of the, the Christmas story. But what I'm hoping for is today, with our time, as we dive in into the original Christmas story, I'm hoping that, that you and I together, that we can discover, you know, three things that God can do through the chaos in our lives. Discovering that, you know what, there is actually opportunity in the chaos that so often arises in our lives. But in Luke 1, we see kind of the original part of the Christmas story. It says, six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, now that's John the Baptist's mom, right? God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee. The angel went to a virgin promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. That's where Joseph shows up, right? The virgin's name was Mary, right? So we have Mary and Joseph here. It says, when the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, you are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. And it says, she was what? She was startled by what the angel said. Remember TC, if you were here last week, Pastor TC talked about this. When angels show up in the Bible, it's not these cute little angelic figures we haven't read. These are powerful, massive, angelic messengers coming with the power of God to share a message. And it usually freaks people out, right? And so, you know, he, the, the angel comes to her. She was startled, right? And then the angel told her several things. He said, first, don't be afraid. See, she's freaked out. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. Then he shares more, right? He says, he will be a great man. It will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he says even more, your son will be the king of Jacob's people forever and the kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I'm a virgin. The angel answered her, said the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, a holy child developing inside you will be called the son of God. Now pause. Now imagine you're Mary, right? Or imagine you're Joseph, whoever you relate to more, right? Friends, this has controversy, right? This has confusion. This has embarrassment. This has public scandal written all over it. I mean, imagine you're Mary trying to explain this to your soon-to-be husband that you're pregnant, right? Trying to explain what the angel had told her. Then if you're Joseph, you know, how do you receive this information, right? This is a rough start to a marriage. Now, fortunately, an angel helps Joseph later in a dream um, that, to understand the validity of Mary's story, right? And so that kind of helps, but we'll see what happens as the pregnancy continues. All right, we, we jump forward to Luke 2, 1 through 3, 
A famous passage in the Christmas story says, at that time, the Emperor Augustus ordered a census of the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all the people went to register in the cities where their ancestors had lived. So get this, right? Right before Jesus is born, a decree is issued by the Roman Emperor Augustus, right? Now imagine you're Mary, right? Imagine you're Mary thinking, okay, now you're nine months pregnant. And, and now you must journey to another town because Rome just kind of arbitrarily said, hey, by the way, we want some more money for military and tax purposes. So we're going to send everybody back, right? And so all the, every Jewish male had to go back to the city of their father to record some things, right? They had to report on things like their name, their occupation, their property, you know, their family. Now, just so you know, Bethlehem is about 90 miles away from Nazareth, right, where Joseph and Mary lived. And just so you know, there's not the convenience of modern day travel, right? And so man, this is, this is rough. You know, I was kind of doing the math thinking, okay, a, a pregnant mama going, you know, that far away, how fast can she go? I don't know. Is it two and a half miles per hour, right? For, you know, maybe eight hours a day. If you do that math, moms, you know better than us guys. Us guys, we have no idea. You know, you know, I can't relate to that. But like, in that calculation, it'd take about four and a half days. You know, but some biblical scholars say, I don't know, a young lady on the verge of giving birth, maybe it's only 10 miles a day. Some theologians might think it might have taken only, you know, might have taken nine to 10 days to get there. And friends, and this isn't some smooth path, right? This isn't some nice smooth highway. Man, there is dangers along the way. Like there is legit wild animals that can happen. Not like around here where we have like some fox or deer that might sneak around or something we wave to and they're cute. No, there's legit predators, right? And there are also predators in another form, bandits and robbers along the way. So, so look, this journey isn't simple. Right? And add to it, right? they couldn't postpone this trip. They couldn't say, you know, let's just wait till after the birth, then we'll go. You know why? Because this was a decree from the emperor. right? And a decree from the emperor coming down on the people, it demanded an immediate response. They had to go right away. Friends, it just adds to the chaos of the situation. I mean, friends, you and I, sometimes we feel overwhelmed just because people are coming over, right? <laughs> the business season, dishes and commotion in the house. Like this was some chaos, now think about Joseph, right? He's dealing with his fiance, you know, being pregnant by the Holy Spirit, trying to wrap his brain around that. And then he's got the emperor demanding to drop everything and then go and then more taxes come in. And you think about that, that's relational tension, right? Financial tension, logistical tension going on. But the chaos intensifies. We, we leap forward in the story to Luke 2, 8 through 9. Again, another famous verse here in the Christmas story says, and in the same region, there were shepherds, right? Out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, right? And the glory of the Lord showed round about them. And they were sore afraid. And so here it says they were, they were filled with great fear, right? Imagine you're the, the shepherds in the scene, right? You're hanging out, watching your little sheep nibble on some grass. And then boom, right? You have this fleet of angelic messengers showing up and it scares the living daylights out of you, right? It says they were filled with great fear, right? It's not the most peaceful silent night. But now if we bounce back to what was going on Mary and Joseph right before the, the shepherds are having mild heart attacks, right? Mary and Joseph, what are they doing? It says, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in, in strips of cloth and, and laid him in a manger because there wasn't any room in the inn, right? There's no room for them. Now, but I'm guessing, this is just me, right? I'm guessing at that point, Mary may not have cared, right? I mean, women, you're pretty amazing, when, when contractions are full-fledged, I watched Kristen give birth to all three of our kiddos, and when full-fledged contractions were on, she didn't care much of anything other than just getting through that pain, right? So women are amazing. But you look at Joseph as well, and man, he's got a lot going on. I know Mary's carrying the greatest burden for sure, right? But Joseph, right, he's supposed to be the, the provider, the, the caretaker. 
And now he's had to drag his, his, his pregnant wife, right? Who knows, four to 10 days and, you know, tough terrain. And, and now there's no room. And why is there no room? Because the emperor, right, just sent everybody back to their hometown on this decree, right? If you can picture Bethlehem, they have all these people flooding back into town, right? That's why there's no room. Everything's overbooked. And they're trying to find a space, but there is none. Friends, it's kind of a chaotic situation. We go back to that verse. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. She, she took her beautiful new baby boy in some raggedy cloths and, and laid him in a manger. Now, friends, this is an amazingly beautiful picture of God's humility. Just amazing picture of that. But it's also a really stinky, poopy, awkward, germ-filled, uncomfortable place for, for a mom to camp out who just gave birth to her child. Right? I mean, this would make like your worst hotel experience, right? Look like the Ritz-Carlton. Right? I remember my worst hotel experience, it was, it was in Indianapolis. We were playing in a baseball tournament. We had to grab a hotel room like last minute. This was years ago. It was at a Knight's Inn. So if you're a Knight's Inn shareholder, sorry for the story here, but we're at the Knight's Inn. We walk in, it's totally last minute, just walk in. And we saw two cockroaches dead in the corner. And then we go in the bathroom and the toilet hadn't been flushed and it wasn't number one. Number two, a, we go like, Ugh. But just so you know, I'd take the nights in every single day, right, over the stable. But friends, the, the point in all of this, the point in all of this is that there was some chaos around that first Christmas in the small town of Bethlehem. I'm just telling you, the original birth of Jesus, it, it had some chaos surrounding it. But, but I love the beauty of discovering how God was at work through the chaos in their lives. Friends, and God is at work today, even when chaos is all around. But it's our job, friends, it's our job to discover the opportunity in the chaos. Look, God is not the author of the chaos. We'll talk about that. He's not the author of it. But friends, he can use our chaos in some amazing ways. The first of which is oftentimes when you and I, when we're confronting a chaotic situation or we're in a chaotic season of life, Friends, it may be because you are in a season of change and transformation. Look, Mary and Joseph were in a season of change and transformation. I mean, I remember back to 2014, 2015, and, and I found myself in a chaotic season of life. And I had poured out my blood, sweat, and tears uh, into an organization that we were trying to grow called the World Baseball Academy. And um, and the long-term plans just weren't moving forward. At this point, Chris and I had, had probably invested about 10 years of time in this organization. And, and, and man, I was frustrated. I was frustrated. I was discouraged. And um, I had just hit a wall. Uh, I was just struggling with, with the, the vision that God had laid on my heart. It was just not moving forward. And I just hit a wall. She was doing okay. She was still a little fired up. But I was just like, I'm, I'm done. And so I, I transitioned, started looking for other opportunities. And actually hooked up with another ministry to try to serve them while I was leading World Baseball Academy from afar. And as we started working in the organization, we really felt compelled to very much consider moving to Dominican Republic to become missionaries. There were some baseball things tied into that. Um, and we were aggressively pursuing it. We had all the, the financing plans in place and ready to, to really consider moving our family there. And, and the plans fell through. And I just remember like, man, so discouraged trying to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way today. You know, your situation feels out of control, feels a little chaotic, 
You might feel frustrated. You might feel confused. It can be overwhelming. But, but here's a tip. Friends, don't try to fix it and resolve that chaos overnight. Listen, friends, if, if you have faith to trust in God, right, lean into that. I know many of us, including myself, are trying to fix everything ourselves. Right? Remember, a new season may be ready to unfold. Right? When chaos hits, it is an opportunity right, to step into a season of change and transformation. Now, I remember going back to when those doors closed for Chris and I at the Dominican Republic. I remember being confused with the unknown. But after a while, I had a little sense of peace. You know why? It was the first time I finally said, you know what, God? Clearly, I'm not in control. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know what's going on. But I know you do. And it was the first time I kind of humbly stepped back and said, all right, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to follow where you guide me. It's amazing how God works. He brought me about a year later, full circle, full time back into World Baseball Academy. And right after that, we landed a major strategic partnership and everything took off. The 10 years before that, all the groundwork that was laid was prepared to just take off. You know, now you fast forward today, we serve over 8,000 kids. We have over 1,800 in at-risk youth mentoring efforts. We have international missions trips. We have a campus that the community has helped develop and God has just blessed it. It was like drinking out of a fire hose of blessings after a season of chaos. Right? That's sometimes how God works. My friends, remember, there's an opportunity to step into a new season of change and transformation. And you, know, you think when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, man, he ushered in a season of change for all of humanity. Right? But the second opportunity we have, I think we have to ask a, a key question, a critical question. And, and it's why is our situation chaotic? Right? Why is there chaos? I mean, why was there chaos in the original Christmas? Right? Friends, the answer to that is because every force of hell was trying to oppose what God was doing. Right? And, and then you combine that with just the sinful nature of people. Right? We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. And you know, when my mistakes spill over your mistakes, it can, get, it can get ugly at times. Right? And you, you add in what Satan's trying to do. And friends, that's why there's chaos in our world. Right? That's why there's chaos that arises in our lives. Our own faults right, that we all have combined with, with the other forces Acting, in fact, when we look at the original Christmas, you know, think about some of the chaos that was going on. Partly, it's on Mary and Joseph, right? It's their insecurities, right? Their fear, their doubts that we all have, right? Maybe their expectations for their life that they had built up that now things are changing. You look at the shepherds, right? Th that fear of inferiority, were they really worthy of what the angels were telling them, right? And then just the Roman culture at, at large, it was a dark culture. Like that was not a pretty place to be with Rome. Right? And you look at the busyness of Bethlehem. We talked about that last week. Some people in Bethlehem, they just missed what was going on because all the hustle and bustle, all the commotion, right? the busyness, even the wicked hearts of the, the officials, right? King Herod, just an evil dude going after Jesus shortly after he was born. But friends, all this stuff arises in our own life. It just might be packaged differently. Right? It might be packaged differently where you just lost your job. Right? Or you lost your girlfriend, or maybe your marriage is, is, is struggling or falling apart. Right? Your car broke down, your, your finances are overwhelming. You, you got a, a, a scary note from the doctor that you need to come back in for an update on a report. Right? You're overworked, you just don't know what's going on. Friends, it kind of feels like that, that saying, like when it rains, it pours. Right? But it's in those moments of chaos, friends, we need to understand this. Right? When God executes his plans 
Friends, in short of our, in, in short of our shortfalls, right, in spite of that, right, when God executes his plan, in spite of our shortfalls, our own sin, and Satan's efforts, look, God doesn't allow the chaos to hold back his plan, right? Friends, God can work all things for good, right? Romans 8, 28, it says this. It says, when we, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Again, this does not mean that God is the author of the chaos in our lives. I want to be really clear on that. We don't serve a heavenly father up there playing silly games with our lives. It's not that at all, right? But this chaos that rises in our life, I want you to know this, friends. You need to know this, that it is no match for the infinite wisdom and the power and the glory of our heavenly father to use those struggles in our life for something greater. If you and I are willing to give him the room and the space to work in our lives. Friends, he will show up. And I look back in my life when I do, and I think about the times that things were going well, right? The, the, the times that it just kind of feels like, you know, it's that season of life where it kind of feels like smooth sailing. And I look back and think, you know, some of those times, that was a time that I drifted a little bit further in my faith, away from God, right? I kind of got that feeling like, hey, I kind of got this figured out. I can lean back in to kind of do it my own, my own way or my own thing, kind of like the success might be because it's something I'm doing. But oh boy, right? During, oh, I'll say this, during those seasons, there's not many spiritual breakthroughs, right? But if you add in a little instability, right? A little change, a little chaos enters your life and it can quickly get your attention, amen, right? And it's in those moments that we start to realize, you know what, I need God in my daily life. God, I gotta make sure that you're in charge of what I'm doing rather than putting myself in charge of that. And friends, when, when chaos enters our life, I'm not saying it's fun, but it is an opportunity right, to step into a new season, change and transformation. It's an opportunity to allow God to use our struggles for something greater in our life. And the third thing is, look, we need to understand that when God is at work and change is occurring, that it, it may be messy, right? Change and transformation, it can be messy. You know, when there's a movement of God and change and it needs to happen, right, it's hard and it can be messy. I love the verse in Proverbs. It says, Proverbs 14, 4, it says, where no oxen are, the trough is what? What does it say? The trough is clean, right? Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But anytime the Bible is, there's a but, right? B-U-T, there's a transition coming. Pay attention to what's after that, right? It says, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox, right? This verse is saying, look, growth is messy. It's saying it's easy to maintain, right? A spotless barn. You can keep your barn real clean if there's no animals there, right? But what does that produce? Doesn't produce anything. It's saying, look, when the animals are on the field tilling that ground, like that's where this abundance of crops comes from. That's where things begin to flourish. Another way to say this is, look, America, right? We can keep a spotless house if nothing's going on in there, right? We can lean into convenience and comfort. That's the American dream, right? We got to be careful of that because there's not many spiritual breakthroughs in that season when we are just looking for comfort. I mean, I just remember when when Chris and I, when we emerged from that chaotic 2014, 2015 season and God kind of showed up, there was a ton of work to do. <laughs> oh my goodness. We were, it was messy because we were learning a ton. There was changes, there was challenges, right? There was ex new experiences that we didn't have the background on. And it was a time to get our hands dirty, man, with, with some effort, dedication, perseverance. But doesn't that kind of reflect our spiritual journey? 
right? I mean, my kiddos, it was a blessing. First hour or two, my kiddos got baptized. It was, it was awesome, right? But if little Ava and Eli think they're walking out of here now with their faith, their faith is this pristine, smooth path, they're going to have a wake-up call, right? Because our faith journey, it's more like a rugged terrain, right? You get beat up along the way, you fall down, you stumble, right? You get some bumps and bruises along the way, right? There are times where, yeah, we have some doubts, we have some questions, we have some struggles that arise, Friends, we're all going to have some, some, some chaos and some messiness that occur. But be reminded, when that chaos hits, right, that God can use that chaos to have us enter into a season of change and transformation, to use these struggles for a greater purpose and understand that that change that needs to happen can be messy, right? But friends, in this message today, we've been kind of bouncing back and forth between two things. The original Christmas story in our lives, right? And hopefully through these conversations, right? And through this message, you're kind of you're reflecting on some of the chaos that either you've been in or you are in today. But friends, I'd also like us to consider this Christmas season, like I'd like us to consider another group of people as well. A group of people who are not in this room right now. I Man, I want you to think about your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, Individuals in your life that might be drowning in the chaos of life right now, and friends, they're doing it on their own, right? They're trying to figure out things on their own. They're doing it alone. And, and man, they might be frustrated, hurt, lonely, confused, isolated at times, and they're doing it on their own. Friends, they have no hope. Man, this Christmas season, church, I want to challenge us Right? I want to challenge us to, to extend an offer of hope. We want to challenge you to simply invite somebody to church. Right? We talked about this last week. We have a challenge coming up. You know, Christmas Eve is, is really close, and there's a special time about Christmas Eve in our culture. Right? There's still this familiarity, and people are willing to maybe step out of their comfort zone with, with something that is faith-based. Right? We're going to have five Christmas Eve services. Christmas Eve this year falls on a Sunday, so we have our three regular services, plus two more services in the afternoon. And friends, we would love to challenge you to invite somebody. And, our, you know, we have some amazing, talented people here. They got some awesome things planned. It's going to be fun, engaging, creative, things for kiddos, adults, everything, right? It'll be fun, not very intrusive, but it's an opportunity, friends, to share some hope. Now, church, you did an amazing job of spectacular inviting people to come. And, it, and we are seeing, we're seeing fruit from that. But church, we have a challenge for you. I mean, everybody say five, say five. Say five, one more time, five, right? We got five coming. So our challenge to everybody is we want you to consider inviting five people. And Pastor TC did a great job casting this vision last week. Thinking about people in different spheres of influence in your life, right? Think about somebody maybe from work or school that you can invite, right? Somebody from, from your family, maybe somebody from a hobby, like going to a gym or a sports team, right? Somebody you don't know, restaurant, gas station, and a neighbor. Somebody that you maybe say hi to every once in a while, but haven't really connected with. Friends, do you know in every survey across the church world, every survey out there across the church world, when they survey people who don't go to church and they ask them why, right? Or they survey people who showed up to church for the first time and ask why. You know what the number one answer is? Number one answer, like family feud, number one answer on the board, right? Every time is the answer because nobody invited me. Number one answer, why people don't come to church, no one invited me, 70% of the answer. Somebody didn't invite me. Friends, there are people in our community right around us 
who just need a nudge. They're looking for hope and they're doing it on their own. Church, I pray that this Christmas season, man, when the busyness and the chaos of the season kind of enters your life, because it will, that you're reminded of our time together here. They remind that other people might be drowning in the chaos of life and they're doing it all by themselves, but you have the opportunity to be a bearer of hope. Just invite them. We got these invite cards all over the place. Grab some of those and be bold, church. That's our heart's desire that this Christmas season, that we can be bold and help spread hope to those who desperately need to know that they have a heavenly father who loves them, who cares about them, has a plan and a purpose for their life. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you just grateful. Lord, just grateful for this time together, this season, this reminder of this Christmas time that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to be born in this world. And you allowed Jesus to be born in this world. You allowed him to suffer so that he could relate to us, that we could relate to him, that he took on human form, Lord, that he knows what we're going through. And that ultimately he would die on a cross for us, for our sins, so that we could be close to you forever. Lord, we thank you for that greatest gift of your son. We thank, we're so thankful for the reminder of this season that you love us that much. And friends, as we're reminded this season, I just pray that we're bold. We're bold for him. But also friends, if you're here today and some of this chaos is resonating with you and you're in a position, you're like, you know what? I have never made a commitment for, for Jesus. Man, there is no better time than right now, right in this place, right in this moment. Friends, I was there myself one day, years ago, where I finally said, I just can't keep doing it myself. If that's you today, it's just a quiet conversation in the quietness of your heart, theater of your mind between you and your heavenly father. Just have a conversation, something like this, just saying, God, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing it on my own. It's just not working. Just say something like this. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Man, I want you to lead me. Come into my life and lead me. I believe in who you are. I want to do something different. Lead me. And friends, if you're sincere in that moment, man, we've seen it time and time again. He will enter your heart and he will start to change you from the inside out slowly, one day at a time. If that's you, be bold. Have that conversation with God. If you're here today and you've already made that decision years ago, a few months ago, decades ago, man, I want to encourage you, be bold this Christmas season. Get out of your comfort zone. Be careful of our culture, driving towards comfort. And when the chaos kind of hits, the busyness hits, be reminded that there are others around you who need to know this hope of Heavenly Father. Be bold, invite them. Strike up a conversation, show that you care. Friends, as we enter this Christmas season, let us be reminded of the greatest gift that was given to us, that gift of Jesus and how everybody needs that. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Soon that we pray. Amen. Well, church, with the last few moments before we wrap up today, I just want to give you a quick update. You know, Pastor TC, he did a great job last week of casting some vision on the, on the greatest gift campaign that we're doing. In fact, if you didn't see that, I really encourage you to go online and watch that last week as he kind of eloquently shares some of the passions we have in our heart. Now, if you're a first-time guest today, allow this just to be a little sneak peek. Well, let's go to the point, church. Don't feel obligated on this, but if this is a place you call um, home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of this if you haven't been already. The greatest gift campaign, part of the backstory on this, was during this interim period before God brought us TC and Cody, right? The board, the search team, the staff was kind of looking around and our church was a little worn out with some physical things around here. You know, there were some screens falling apart back here. They're, they're outdated. 
There's some things we wanna leverage with, with live streaming and capturing the passion that goes on here because you guys matter. We want people to be able to see what's going on here. There were some refresh things, some things that we knew needed to get done, but we kind of paused on some of that because we kind of wanted to make sure that when God brings us, our next leader, that it kind of aligns with their vision as well. And, and God brought us Pastor TC and Cody. By the way, can we get a round of applause for them? They have been amazing. I'll tell you what, man, my heart is, is overjoyed hanging out with TC, getting to know his heart. It feels like he's been here forever, right? It just fits our DNA and culture. We're so blessed. And as, as TC kind of walked around, he noticed some of the same things we had already noticed. And as he brought them up, we kept laughing, smiling, saying, yep, that's on the list. And this concept of unity just kept emerging. And so church, we're moving for the greatest gift campaign for some physical things that we'd like to do around here. There's some needs at the gym as well that we're trying to tackle. You're starting to see some things happen in the lobby as well, just a refresh. But the reason why we're doing this, right, it's our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Right there, we know there's nothing inherently spiritual about cameras and screens or paint, those kind of things, right? Nothing inherently spiritual about that. But what they do represent is an environment that we're trying to create that is warm, welcoming, loving, real, relevant, all of our values, right? So that people who don't know Jesus can walk in here and hear a message of hope in a way that connects with them, right? Because people who don't go to church, they're not comparing us to the church on the street, right? They're comparing us to the movie theaters, the home theaters, right? The convention centers. And so we can communicate a powerful message of hope. Friends, it helps resonate the hearts of people who don't know him yet. And that's the reason why we're doing that. But in this greatest gift campaign, the first thing we said we wanna do was before any of the other stuff, we said, you know what? We wanna bless the socks off some families in our community, right? Some families that we interact with. And so we picked 15 families that, are, that may be having some hardships right now. We said, give us your list of what would make a really special Christmas for their family. And so we have a Christmas list and our staff, they're knocking it out. They're buying stuff for these families. We're gonna just bless their socks off this Christmas season. We said, that's the first fruits of this greatest gift campaign is we wanna just bless some families and make an amazing Christmas experience for them. And, and church, you're already stepping up to do that. The report back to you is we have now um, raised nearly $200,000 in this great, that, that's a huge thing, that's a huge deal. Huge deal. But church, we're not done yet. This list of all the things, it's about $250,000. Now, Pastor T.C. kind of shared, like this is his favorite thing to ask for money. I do this for a living, so I have no problem doing it, right? I have no problem standing up here saying, the reason why is because church, you time and time again have shown your heart of generosity. When there are needs that arise that help us find, help people find and follow Jesus, you have stepped up. So church, I would love to end this, this campaign with a strong finish and help us get to our goal. And the reason why we call it the greatest gift campaign is that we know that God gave his greatest gift to us in the birth of his son. In this Christmas season, we're buying things for a whole lot of people, but maybe consider taking some time, pray about it, and consider giving your greatest gift this Christmas season back to him. And that's been the, the whole purpose of this campaign. So I could talk about this for hours and for minutes or days, whatever we need to, I'm passionate about this. But church, we love your heart of generosity. So we ask you to consider joining the Greatest Gift Campaign. We'll be asking for people to give still this week and next week to try to wrap that up. So church, from the bottom of my heart, wishing you guys a very Merry Christmas. I'm gonna turn it back over to our worship team. All Go right, all right, thank you so much.